Nine Thumbs Rejoice. It's the Bob Olin Show, brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located in Dan's Feedback in Superior. The WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig. Now, KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. 916 on KDAL as we are joined by the one, the only, the incomparable, the indefatigable Bob Olin. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I have never been that way before. <laughs> well, are you? Is anybody out work Bob Olin? Come on. We, we all know that that's not the case. So Yeah, we do know that. I just decided to use a big word to describe it. That's all. Great. So we are having some fun getting ready, looking for the nice growing season coming here. Yeah, we're we, we're getting close. I know that the, you know you look outside, you might not think it does, and when I back out of my driveway and there's four feet of snow surrounding it, <laughs> I might not might not think that that's the case. But I, I've told I've told people this, and and I know it's true that even when it's not necessarily warm out, that sun, man, it makes a big difference in getting rid of some of the snow and, hap- and making that happen a little quicker than it does uh, earlier in the year. Oh, you're absolutely right. And as we talked before, uh, we don't have a lot of frost in the ground, so as this melts, and I think we're going to be mid-30s today, I believe I heard in your forecast. So I believe you're right, the process yeah. Gets, yeah, the process gets started, and we uh, we move a little bit of that down, get some of that moisture down in the ground, so it's all good, Bruce. And we've got uh, folks that I'm sure out there have questions for you. You can certainly chime in if you'd like at 722-0839, 722-0839, because the snow will melt quicker than we all think it will, and soon enough it will be time to start planting. Absolutely, and uh, it's time to maybe start thinking a little bit about if you're going to start some of your own seed indoors. I think that uh, we might be a little early. Most people will give a try with tomatoes. They might give a try with peppers. They'd plant a few other things. But uh, we're looking forward to a good season. You know, Bruce, I, uh, people always chuckle about the weather because it is it is variable. But some of the forecasts are pretty good. And you know, NOAA's Climate Prediction Center, uh, boy, they've been holding pretty fast for their long-range forecasts. Warmer season than, uh, than normal from the Oh, uh, when we get started here in May, right through September and October, they're held uh, to the probability that they're going to have above-average temperatures and about average moisture. At one time, uh, and it was a couple of months ago, that they were predicting we might get a little additional moisture in uh, the month of May and June, which might might may or may not occur. We'll have to. At least we're getting average uh, precipitation because if we get warmer temperatures and plenty of water, that's just about ideal. But at this point, it looks like uh, moisture is going to be a little limited. Temperatures are going to be a little warmer. So we got to have to kind of uh, prepare for that. Uh, the weather, of course, is variable. Everybody knows that. But that gives us a pretty good idea going forward. We might have something similar to what we had last year where it was hot and dry through most of the growing season. And then uh, all of a sudden we got the rain late in the year, helped with some of our fall crops, cabbage, cauliflower. But it certainly didn't help uh, main season, didn't help a lot of our pasture production. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what comes, but I think preparing for a warm, dry season is probably going to be good advice for us. I, I somehow do remember spending a lot of time in my yard watering plants last summer, but what I don't remember is what it was like last spring. And I did read a, a report last night regarding the La Nina that they do expect that to be a factor and, and might lead to some cooler temperatures for us. We're seeing it right now. We're going to see. It. We don't. You know, th- we're we're right around the the average day. 
of the last below zero temperature. We're going to get quite the deep freeze for this time of year coming up this week. And cooler temperatures, it looks like, could prevail into a good chunk of the spring. What kind of impact could that have on the summer and, and the growing season? Well, the big thing, I think, is uh, getting started, uh, getting uh, the moisture in the ground. If we get a good snow melt here, if it's a little bit cooler in the spring, that's just fine. Uh, the least thing, it's a little bit. It's hot and dry that we're concerned about. And I think I think much of the country, uh, particularly in the southwest where they struggled last year and in the northwest, uh, looks like they're going to be hot, hotter and drier again this year. So, you know, it's always kind of interesting to, to assume that you're going to have a repetitive season, that things are going to be similar. Oftentimes that's not the case, but I think uh, preparing a little bit. I know I'm doing some work, uh, did some research actually on some warm season crops, eggplants and uh, sweet potato a while ago and with rather limited success uh, because uh, these are really, really warm season crops, particularly sweet potatoes. But uh, people love to grow them and we can grow them here. We just don't get those nice, big, beautiful tubers that they uh, that you're accustomed to with the Thanksgiving dinner. But might take a look at some of that research again and and kind of gear up for some of these warmer season crops. You know, that might be the good thing for us here, Bruce. Um, I think maybe uh, whatever they describe this area is kind of a refuge from the potential uh, global warming or climate change. And I think as if we get a little bit warmer without the extreme heat, uh, we might be able to grow more of these high sugar content crops, the melons, of course, tomatoes. We're always looking forward to that. It is the year of the tomato, so we'll talk some about that. But um, there are other crops that are warm season. Eggplant, which is a Mediterranean crop that people don't grow a lot here, don't use a lot, but just because it uh, typically hasn't matured, but we're getting some good maturity there. So I think uh, we might be just okay and maybe kind of fortunate in terms of uh, some of the climate predictions. But a little cooler coming into the spring, as long as we don't have those real sharp frosts, uh, could be all right. Uh, again, we don't evaporate much as much of the moisture out of the soil. I think moisture is going to be key this year, Bruce. Uh, Bob Owen joining us, and we got Wayne on the phone. Bob's got a question for you. Go ahead, Wayne. Morning, Bob. Hello, Wayne. I, good morning. I, I call, uh, good. Good morning. I had I called there and they answered. I said, "Is Bob in?" He said, "Yeah, yes, he is. Just like it's your office, you know." <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right now it is Bob's office. It is <laughs> right at the moment. That's, that's yeah. fun. So, so pay attention, right? Anyhow. I will. Uh, we, we got some succulent plants that she likes to have, and they're infested with little bugs. Should I throw them away or change the dirt? Okay, let me, let's me let go back, Wayne. And first, I appreciate your sense of humor. You know, in this day and age, we got a little fun. That's what uh, gardening is oh, all better. about. You better have. <laughs> so. Got to have a little fun. Uh, tell me what kind of uh, what kind of plants are these? What kind of house plants again? Uh, they're succulent plants. They just uh, I can give you a. No, that's okay. They're, they're succulents. That gives us. Uh, and uh, could you describe uh, uh, the insects and the problem you're facing with? Are they down on the soil? Are they on the plant? Are they jumping? Well, they're they're quick. <laughs> In fact, you could be uh, visiting with some folks uh, come here after COVID's gone and pull one flies across in front of you. And very small, just tiny as all get out. Oh, very uh, small. Um, White or gray? Could you give me a little white or brown? Give me a little idea there. Uh, Maybe black, yeah. Maybe blackish, okay. And uh, quick. uh, Okay, when they jump, they may be. We've got a... We've got some uh, pests called springtail that tend to jump like that, and they are brown or black in color, and uh, more than likely that's what you've got there. Um, 
you know, they can uh, they don't do a tremendous amount of damage. Uh, they're, they're more of a nuisance. Uh, they feed on the organic material in the soil. You don't see a lot of a deterioration of the plant, any chewing or anything like that, do you, Wayne? Oh, no. No, it's just the dirt, no. you know. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, more than likely, it's it's called springtail or we call columbula. And uh, I think what I would probably do is I would isolate them. And uh, so they don't uh, get on any of your other plants, put them in a back bedroom or something like that where there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of um, isolation, uh, good sunlight yet. And they're going to be a, a challenge to control because uh, anything you can use indoors you know, hot water and other things, or some of the uh, uh, some of the insecticidal soaps in the soil aren't very effective. They can be effective up on the upper portion of the plant, but these guys are just going to uh, shrug that off. So your option would be to isolate until it gets warmer outside. When we get above uh, freezing, uh, comfortably above 50, 60 degrees, then uh, you can come through with a first a water drench and then just a dilute drench of there are any number of potential over-the-counter insecticides, one drench uh, throughout the drain water, but malathion would probably be your best choice. Uh, it's not going to be up on the plant. It's going to be outside, uh, over-the-counter. It's safe to use. So uh, that will get them under control. But a uh, little water first, and then uh, follow the label direction. But outdoors, never indoors. And uh, in the meantime, just isolate things. That will take care of them in a hurry. They're quite sensitive to any number of these materials, but... Uh, the indoor remedies uh, just aren't going to work for them. Yeah. Okay. okay. Very good. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Wayne, thank you, and thanks for the fun. Take care. Thank you, Wayne, for the call. 722-0839 is the phone number. As uh, Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Once in a while, you see, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll see those little bugs crawling around, flying around. You do wonder where they come from. Well, yeah, it is kind of interesting, uh, and a lot of them, you know, we do recommend in many cases that people move those houseplants out. Uh, of course, after uh, after frost, as all the soil's melted, there's no danger of frost, and then a shaded area protected from the sun. We don't want to we don't want to expose them to too much bright light or too much wind, but nonetheless, they get a huge growth spurt typically when they get outside because outdoor light levels are much much higher even than a, a bright sunny southern window. So. You move them out, and oftentimes we bring them back in, and oftentimes insects can be certainly a problem for commercial growers. So we get, uh, maybe we get a Christmas cactus, or we get a poinsettia that comes in, and we bring in many of these insects. But uh, this one, it's kind of interesting. The springtail can also come in in potting soils that haven't been uh, pasteurized or heat processed, and oftentimes that's the case, or if we're making up our own potting soil. So we do tend to bring them in. And uh, as mentioned there, they're just a real nuisance. In this case, they don't do uh, that much damage. We've got many that that are uh, sucking and chewing insects. Uh, white fly, I, that's such a big pest, but can cause so much problems with some of your, your more valuable houseplants. But don't have good controls, uh, particularly on uh, something down in the soil in the house. We've got to wait till it gets warmer. But uh, if people are experiencing this, we've got some insecticidal soaps. It's a little different than Dawn soap. We really don't recommend people just spraying their plants with a, uh, a dish soap because that tends to clog up the pores in the leaf tissue. We call them somata. That the plant is actually exchanging gases, as we all know. The great thing about green plants is they take in CO2 and they take out oxygen. And I guess we need more. I know we need more and more of that. I was just reading a little bit about the degradation of 
uh, some of the uh, tropical forests down in the Amazon, and uh, yeah, it's getting kind of serious. So we need green plants out there. We can all do our part, I guess, by doing a good job out in our landscapes and and not doing any environmental damage in the process. But uh, certainly, green plants, uh, carbon dioxide takes it in, kicks out oxygen. But we got to keep these uh, these pores open, so you don't want to spill out of dish soap, regardless of what you hear. You've got maybe uh, insects up on the foliar part of the plant, and even clear water on some things like African violets can be damaging there. But certainly, some of these uh, quote-unquote organic uh, soaps that are insecticidal can be effective, but uh, you want to follow the, the label directions, and you want to use an actually an actual insecticidal soap that you would purchase from a lawn and garden shop as opposed to just using uh, any kind of a dish soap or product like that. Shocked to be sure that not everything you read on the internet is true. We got Rod on the phone joining us. Rod, you're on. Bob, go ahead. Hey, good morning, Rod. Good morning. Uh, We were wondering, do deer like zinnias? Yes, I think deer will take zinnias. Um, Deer, and it all depends on where you're located. We've got a I know in the northern part, out in the rural areas, uh, we've got uh, a herd that struggle a little bit. I don't know what this winter is, tough winter, so that may drop numbers too. But certainly if you're in town or the near suburban areas, we have a very, very uh, high deer population, and they're really scrounging for food. So I think that uh, people are looking for deer-resistant plants, and uh, Zinnia would not be one of those, to my, to my knowledge. We look at uh, the mint family or anything that's really fuzzy or prickly, on the leaf surface, uh, these sometimes they don't like. They simply don't like anything in the onion family. Anything that has a, has kind of an offensive uh, flavor or taste, they don't like. But uh, they're gonna they're gonna take zinnias for you from you, and uh, even though they're beautiful. But I think if you got heavy deer, I'd probably look for something else. Or during the growing season, uh, you know, you've got some controls out there. Uh, you can use uh, taste and odor repellents. These are products you buy, dilute with water, spray them on, uh, work during the grows, growing season, but you've got to rotate them and you've got to have, uh, you really got to have uh, uh, an attitude where you're going to repeat them uh, because they do wear out. Uh, there are also some of these water deterrents. I'll use the name brand here, the Scarecrow, which is an intermittent water spray spray system. When they come in and they trigger that, it's... Uh, motion sensitive so uh, that will keep them away during the growing season uh, so you've got a you got a few options uh, that you could do as well as of course uh, fencing of one type or another but uh, for most folks they want either spray some on the plant or I think uh, when we are above freezing uh, some of these intermittent sprinkler systems uh, will be will work for you kind of a long answer but deer controls on a lot of folks mind uh, for sure thank you very much Bob Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. A good call. We maybe we should just do a program on that because uh, firsthand, I'll tell you, I've had an awful lot of product over the years uh, consumed by these lovely uh, white-tailed deer that we've got. Oh, I'm sure. Nine thirty-one, Bob. We'll uh, give you a break here for CBS News. Hold on. We'll get to more with Bob Olin coming up after the news break. 938 on KDAL. Bob Owen Show continues. I believe we have a caller here on the line for you, Bob. Good morning. You have a question Great. for Bob. You're on the air. Hello there. Hi. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Yeah, I was uh, listening to uh, the person that was talking about uh, the bugs in his houseplants in the dirt. Yes. 
Yeah, I I notice sometimes in this. I don't usually have it in the winter, but in the summer I'll get that if I take my plants outside on a sunny day, and the bugs seem to find the dirt. But what I've had found, I found uh, liquid uh, stuff you can put in there, uh, you know, to water the plant with, probably at Menards, and it works good. But I just take them them old fly sticky things that you hang from the ceiling, and you pull them apart. They're like a curlicue. And lay one uh, oh, a couple inches beyond the diameter of the the uh, the pot, and they stick to that and they disappear. Uh, that's a great suggestion. The flypaper is what you're referring to, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Work. I w- I would just mention this uh, with some product that's on that. Uh, they're no longer labeled for use in living living quarters. So out outside perhaps, but once again we're we're limited with the cooler temperatures. So uh, now particularly if you got some of the old fly paper, uh, to my knowledge at least a lot of that's restricted for use in in living quarters or inside. So that's right. that's the that's the only downside of uh, some of those kind of products. But you're absolutely right. Uh, the outside, and you know, we got a couple of them. We got those uh, what this gentleman had, where they're jumping all over the place, springtails, and that's where they get their name. Uh, they they don't really feed on the plant. They feed on this decaying organic material in the soil, so they're a nuisance. Right. But they won't damage the plant. But we have a fungus knot gnat, which is also down in the soil. Now that feeds on the plant's roots. So sometimes you'll see something where the plant's beginning to go, you can't see anything on the plant, then you pull it out of the container, and you'll see these fungus gnats that have been after this white, effective root tissue there, and those can be very damaging. So, But I think, yeah, in the case of, uh, as you mentioned, that's a great tip, we appreciate it, but just some flypaper, maybe out in the garage near the plants, and they suck right into that. They typically are yellow, so many of these insects are attracted to yellow, so just draping some over it or in that area where there's good ventilation, I think that would be just fine. Great suggestion. Right. Yeah, I, I've used it for a few years, and I haven't uh, noticed anything bad that happened to me, but they're, they, uh, <laughs> good. They are, they're little black things, and they'll go in the top of the dirt, but if you when you water, sometimes they'll come out and then fly back in, I notice, or if you put your fingers in there and touch the dirt. Uh, but... Um, yeah, they're little black things, and you'll see them seeing one in front of the TV or something, and you wonder, what are these things doing here? <laughs> That's right. You really don't want a lot, a lot of livestock inside, do you? No. <laughs> hey, and then I got one other question. Uh, sure. I was having, I used to have good luck um, with uh, planting early my broccoli. I used to do Pac-Man, but a couple yeah. of years in a row it got like a white knob on the root, and I talked to you. You were even up at my garden taking pictures uh what was it, two summers ago? But um, anyway, uh, on them, they just didn't do too good last year. They were spindly. So I tried something new called a, a Bell Star Broccoli, and it's supposed to be very disease-resistant. And I planted them, uh, oh, a week and a half ago. They come up in five days, so they look pretty strong. Have you heard of that Bell Star? Uh, I have. Uh, there are the 40 or 50 varieties of broccoli. Pac-Man, which you mentioned, which was kind of a favorite because you could get a very small head for people who didn't want the large head. You could plant them about a foot apart. Pac-Man, for some reason, uh, the seed has been very hard to get. So sometimes we get a good good variety that leaves us uh, hot and dry. And you you had the, the fenced garden, is that right, with the uh, 
the, uh, a lot of uh, you grew things vertically. Have I got the right garden in mind? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. Appreciate what, 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 and maybe we talk a little bit off uh, off uh, the air here. But uh, I would say uh, on the broccoli. Now you want to you start your own seed, do you? Yes, I do. Yes, uh-huh. uh huh. You know you're you're real early to be starting right now. You're well aware of that. But um, broccoli, uh, the last couple of years, hot and dry, uh, we've had a lot of trouble with it. It wants to burst the flower real quickly. So I think a very early spring crops, short-day broccoli varieties, and then perhaps starting in, with the idea of transplanting. Let me think here. We want a fall crop, so we want to get them out in the gar- ground about uh Maybe the end of July or mid-July is when we want to transplant rather than transplanting earlier in the spring because you can come in as early as uh, early May or mid-May, certainly. But for a summer, oh. summer, the summer crops have been really difficult because of this heat. They're a cool-season crop. They burst the flower. And, of course, folks uh, that haven't grown them may not be aware, but those small, tight beads are really uh, flower buds. And they will burst under uh, warmer conditions. So the summer crop's been challenging for broccoli. But think about planting a fall crop. Uh, last year the broccoli was exceptional in the fall. And uh, but then again, you want to back that off. And instead of starting your seed about uh, mid-April, you want to maybe start your seed uh, toward the end of May, and then and then uh, grow those transplants out and transplant them out in the garden toward the end of uh, July. And then they get out and they get growing for you. Uh, and then uh, we come into the cooler period in the fall, September, October, and even early November this last year was so warm, and you can get a tremendous broccoli uh, crop where you don't have these intense heat that forces that early flowering. Yeah, yeah, because I'm used to getting one big one in the center and then the side shoots the rest of the, the growing season. Yeah, that, that can be good, and if you can stay on top of it, uh, those that produce, we call those side shoots, our laterals, um, you might look at the good variety that way is Arcadia. We've grown it for a number of years, and uh, Arcadia, Arcadia produces a nice, beautiful primary head and then a lot of side shoots, so really keeping the plant in there. And if you want to stay to your regular schedule there and, and uh, start set them out in early June, something like that, maybe late May, you certainly can. You're just going to have to watch those primary heads uh, because they will burst the flower under a warm conditions. Okay. Yeah. So make sure you get it harvested. I, I've had situations as well. They're just about ready, and I can go another two, three days and come back three days later, and I had a nice, beautiful yellow bouquet. So during the mid season, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about there because it, it, it'll it'll go to flower really fast if you don't pay attention. You got to pay attention. You got to be there because it, it could be a day or two, and suddenly there uh, you got flowers instead of vegetables. Yes. Yeah, I, I also I don't want to keep you on too long. I, I also planted my Carmen, my um, banana squash. Excuse me, banana banana peppers, and these red red Carmens are really good. They do beautiful in my garden, but they take uh, they take probably twelve days before they pop up. They're kind of slow coming through the dirt. Yeah, uh, see, pepper seed is that way, and again, it, it, boy, if you can hold them, but it's a little early to be starting peppers. I'm thinking more about, uh, you know, toward the end of March and early April. But, uh, yeah, we got. I'm going to actually be doing a session coming up here in April, April 23rd down there in Duluth. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, 
ripening peppers. Uh, warm season crops have become very popular. I noticed the All-American selections, we've got one pepper variety and one uh, pearl, well, one hot pepper and one purple colored pepper, a, a sweet pepper, as well as uh, an eggplant variety and a couple of tomatoes in there. So the warm season crops this year are kind of taking the, uh, the spotlight. But certainly uh, the one you mentioned, Carmen's a good variety, Escamilo, which is a nice yellow, will also mature real nicely for us. So yeah, they're great, and uh, you can get a high return there because you take a look at the supermarket, they get a dollar fifty, sometimes $2 a pepper for these nice, big, colorful uh, roasting bell peppers. So nice, right. nice return. Appreciate what you do. You do a nice job gardening, and uh, you might have had, I think we talked about that, You, uh, this, the cabbage family can be vulnerable to black, black rot and, and other right. things. That yeah. can cause problems, and then it's very difficult to get out of the soil. You really have to rotate into a new, new area. So, new varieties, Pac-Man. I I can't even recommend where we can find that variety any longer. Unfortunately, it's kind of gone the way of the dodo bird. <laughs> well, I I still have extra seed, but I didn't use it this year. But I I always have the best luck with Harris uh, Harris Seed Company. Yes, Harris is a good one. Uh, one one and. Actually, Young surprises me down in Randolph, Wisconsin, a little bit too. They have a lot of varieties that are well suited for this area oh. for a, a retail catalog as well. Well, the only problem but, with the other ones is uh, Harris is easy to do business with. The others won't even answer their phones, so you got to order with a computer or a phone or something. I don't do that, so yeah, that's well. Uh, you're you're right. The demand has been so high, and you know, I I buy a lot of seed every year, and. Uh, I've been put on hold so many times, and uh, uh, it's uh, some have actually closed down. We had a major retailer, the retail and commercial source, that just for two weeks they said we're not taking any new orders. We're going to try to fill the orders with the past. So that was uh, last year. So you're right; they won't even answer the phone. Many of them. This Why don't you hang on? I'll get your name and phone number. I'd like to track what you're doing, and maybe we can uh, we can uh, make another visit during the growing season. Okay. Okay, Bob. Bruce, can you get good. this gentleman's uh, name and phone number off the air for us? That'd be great. I'd rather do it on the air. I'm just kidding. Oh, you would. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would okay. not. I would not do that to the gentle listener. <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to leave the uh, nice people with? I'm going to go ahead and pull the chain. Let you do that while I get this gentleman's information, and I'll pass it on to you. That's great. Yeah, it, this gentleman does a, does a fine job of growing. Doesn't have a. You know, he's got a, a plot in town and does a very, very nice job. Uh, good son, full son. Uh, he's done a nice job of modifying his soil and uh, using a limited amount of space, uh, going vertical with a lot of the a lot of the production. And I think limited amount of space. It's going to be kind of interesting this year because uh, I mentioned trends, and I'm seeing it on the front colorful covers of a lot of the retail seed catalogs. They're all featuring warm season crops. So I think the, all of North America is experiencing warmer conditions and they're kind of getting after it. For us here, where warm season crops have been a challenge, it may be beneficial. Of course, we don't like these warming trends and everything that's going on, but uh, certainly this winter wouldn't indicate that. But nonetheless, I think that uh, the All-American selections this year, that whole process where they look at some of the best varieties, as I mentioned, uh, two tomatoes in there, uh, two peppers in there, and uh, one eggplant, all kind of intriguing varieties that we want to give it a little try. Now, people that follow the All-American selections, it's a process throughout uh, North America here, really, or at least uh, Canada and uh, the United States here. 
Uh, they got some display gardens north of the border, but mainly these are display and trial gardens in the south here. And then they uh, they distribute a lot of seed that comes from the breeders, both uh, public sources, universities, as well as uh, private bleeder, uh, seed companies. Distribute a lot of seed. They put them in trial. They take a lot of data. They make their selections. And they have a display garden at the University of Minnesota Research and Outreach Center in Grand Rapids. Uh, that's not a trial garden. Uh, there's a little difference. Uh, trialing, they're taking a tremendous amount more data, and they do the evaluations there. But once they've selected these varieties, then they go out on uh, numerous display gardens, and we're very fortunate to have that in Grand Rapids, so you can take a look at some of these varieties. You see something that you really like there. The One of the difficulties, it takes a little while to get the seed in the hands of the retail consumer. Uh, they get the selection. There's a lot of demand, so it oftentimes takes a little while to ramp up uh seed production uh, for some of these varieties. So you might, you're not going to see them in this year's catalogs. You might see them certainly in next year's catalog. And then they carry this distinction, All-American Selection. And the breeders uh, have an exclusive. So if one particular uh, company breeds uh, a variety that gets the All-American Selection for a number of years, they're the only ones that can market that because they developed it. But then after time, it's kind of like a pet that wears off. And then if it's really a good variety, Others can uh, can reproduce it and and retail it as well. So it's it's kind of fun. It's good to take a look at. But once again, the best trial garden I tell people is is your garden. Uh, what works well for you, and if Pac-Man's the the variety that's good, uh, that's just fine. Or uh, but there are many 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 varieties to, to select from. You know, uh, we talk about uh, tomatoes. This is the year of the tomato when we get a chance, Bruce. Uh, maybe not this program, but we will be spending a fair amount of time on tomatoes, tomato varieties, tomato selection, tomato growing as well. All right, and uh, I was kind enough to check out uh, while you were uh – talking earlier i i checked out last year some of last year's temperatures and it does turn out we were covering plants in june last year bob so it got well, we hot had, it got hot and dry but uh it was uh it was dicey there for uh, right after memorial day for a couple of weeks oh you're absolutely right it was dicey and we had a real tough not frost but freeze i was in the northern part of st louis county and saw uh, everything had leafed out. Our, our ash trees were all leafed out. They were all black. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, 21, 22 degrees. Uh, I think that day was about May 23rd, 24th, something like that. And uh, it, uh, it, even though the, statistically the growing season is getting longer, getting a little warmer, that doesn't mean you can't have a frost in June. And we've had those June frosts. Uh, certainly the day year before last, we had one on June 11th, which shocked me because I Set a lot of things out on June 10th and lost them, had to replant. And we can have an early frost. So even though the growing season may be extended, Bruce, uh, we can get a frost on either end and still have a longer growing season if we get a, a very late spring frost or a very early fall frost. So you just have to be aware, follow the short-term forecast. But uh, overall, I think... Uh, plan for a good uh, warm growing season i think it's going to be pretty good for us bob appreciate it as always we will talk to you one week from today how's that sound that sounds great to me and we certainly appreciate our callers and all the good folks that are uh, keeping us in touch with what's going on out there your home for bulldog hockey. Let's go!